Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. If you will, open your Bibles, though, back up to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. As we've talked this morning um, and continue our kind of series on newness from this particular text, Luke chapter 5. There, there's, there's a lot going on in this particular passage. There's a lot of interacting with people. There's a lot of action that takes place. There's a lot of conversation that's going on. There's a lot of thinking and mind reading that's, that's taking place. And there is, there's so much in this just short section of passages. But I want us to focus on the four friends this morning. Go to the next slide. I want us to focus on the four friends this morning as we learn maybe a new life lesson. The way that we have something in particular that we need to make as a part of our life. Let's let's look at the beginning of this passage again. Luke chapter 5 starting in verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and, uh, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had all come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Let's just stop right there for a second and kind of set the scene, if you will. Jesus is in his first year of ministry still. And slowly, as as he has begun to heal people and teach, there's a buzz has been created about this Jesus. I don't think people really understood the significance of his ministry yet. I don't think that many people understood the significance that he was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. He is and was the Christ that was going to come and, and do amazing things and great things and going to save the world. I don't think they got that yet. They're still trying to figure him out. But the beginning of his ministry is very similar, if you will, to, to the nature of the spiritual gifts to the New Testament church in the book of Acts. It was to get people's attention. It was to show power. It was to show authority. It was so people would pay attention to what's going on to Jesus. And in this particular story, Jesus is sitting in a house. Jesus is sitting in a house and he's teaching. And there's a lot of people around him. As you go ahead and read through the rest of the story, these guys that are trying to get to Jesus could not get anywhere near the house. There were so many people. Jesus was almost mobbed, if you will, any time he stopped to try to teach and to try to do certain things. But yet there's these four men, despite everything that's going on, there's four men who are on a mission. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Four men on a mission. They had one goal in mind that day. They had one goal in mind that day, and that was to see who. Who were they coming, who were they coming to see? Jesus. And why were they coming to see Jesus? They had one goal, one mission, and it was they had a friend who had a need that they had heard, that they knew, that they had figured out that this man by the name of Jesus could meet. They knew that their paralyzed friend, we don't know the story or the reason of his paralyzation. We don't know why he's in this position. 
We just know that he is, and these guys have it on their mind that regardless of what it's going to take that day, they are going to bring their friend before Jesus, and they are going to let Jesus heal him. They weren't going to let Jesus out of their sight. They couldn't risk him getting away. I've wondered as I've read and I've studied this passage a couple of different times, as I've preached it a few different times, I've wondered if maybe they had tried before and they had not, they had not succeeded. I wonder if they had, if they had tried to get to Jesus, if they had tried to come up with ways to, to get close to him. And every time, every time they showed up, there was no way that they could get to Jesus. And, and it looked like maybe this, if that was the case, that here we go again, it's going to be the same thing. And they're looking at the house and the, they said that they couldn't get to the windows of the house because of the people. And they're looking and there's like, there's no way that we're going to carry this guy into the house with this many crowded people. <clears throat> and I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there. Because there's always, if you've got a group of friends and you're trying to figure something out and you're trying to solve a problem, there's always that one friend who has an idea that when you first hear it, sounds like the worst idea. Any of you have friends like that? If you don't have friends like that, you might be that friend. Okay? Or you may be the friend that every time you have a suggestion, they're like, no. If so, you're this guy. I would imagine there's got to be one of them that's looking at the other four that are there and goes, there's nobody on the roof. Now, does that sound like a good idea? Not at all. It does not sound like a good idea to go and destroy someone's property. It doesn't sound like a good idea to... Uh, especially if you're the paralyzed guy, you know that the only way that you're going to get off the roof is to go where? Down. That doesn't sound like a good plan at all. The paralyzed man may have been laying there going, uh, no, I don't like this idea. But then it clicked with them. Then it clicked with them. And and they, they do whatever they have. I don't know if they decided this on the front end. I don't know. But, you know, they had to go gather rope. They had to go get things to 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 dig into this roof with. They had to to do all kinds of things to make this effort. Now think about it. Think about it. How bold this move was. Everyone, we already said this. They had to destroy someone's property. How would you feel if someone showed up to your house and started tearing your roof up? Probably They, they probably wouldn't be your best friend anymore. It's going to be my guess. And then they're going to disrupt this lesson being taught by Jesus. In fact, as you read the story, there's some pretty influential people there, but they don't care. They don't care if they ruin the roof. They don't care if they ruin the meeting. They don't care who's there. All they care about is what? Their friend needs who? Jesus. And they're going to do whatever it takes to bring him to Jesus. So they get up on the roof, and they tear away the tiles and the branches and the plaster, and they form a hole. In the roof, I imagine that roof parts are falling to the floor in the room. And then they look down, and there's there's Jesus below them. And they lower their friend down on a mat. I would imagine that you're in this room, and all of a sudden a beam of light just shines because they finally open it up. And then you just see the shadow of the guy, and he's being lowered down. And, and, and amidst all of the maybe craziness, and in confusion of what's going on by other people, 
I can just imagine Jesus sitting there quietly. I can just imagine Jesus sitting there quietly and watching. Not just watching. As you read the rest of the story, he's listening. He's not listening to what's being said. He's listening to what's being what? Thought. And he's hearing these guys' thoughts. And he's watching what these friends are doing. And he looks up. And my favorite passage in all of the book of Luke is verse 20. When Jesus saw their what? What does it say? When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see their anxiety. He didn't see their nervousness. He saw their faith. I want you to understand something this morning. God prepares us and equips us to do mighty things in his name. Let that sink in. That God prepares us and equips us to do mighty things in his name. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. That who prepared? God. God prepared those things. At one point in his ministry, Jesus tells his disciples in the book of John, as whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. He tells him, he says, look, he said, there's going to come a time that I'm not going to be here anymore, and those who follow me, those who believe me, they're going to take up my, my, my works and my effort, and they're going to do greater things than I have ever done. Have you ever thought about how crazy of a statement that is? That he foretold that you have the ability to do greater things than Jesus himself ever did. How many of you believe that? Truly believe that? One, the newest Christian in the whole room, guys. You can do greater things than Christ. How I know? Because Jesus himself said that. God has a grand adventure for us. He is preparing us to do mighty things. But it all hinges on one word. What is that? Our what? Our faith. It all hinges on one word, and it hinges on our faith. Jesus says that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels in the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know what that tells me? There's no greater work that we can do than to bring someone to Christ. There's no greater work than anything we can do than to bring someone to Christ. So when we bring someone to Christ, you know what basically the Bible says? That there is a party in heaven. But there is a party in heaven. So knowing that, can you imagine the anticipation that occurs in heaven every time you bring someone to church or to Bible study or to talk to them about Jesus? The angels would know that this is the first step in bringing them into a salvation relationship with Jesus. And they get ready and they prepare themselves for that party because of what you do because of the efforts you have, because of the faith that you 
show. Now, I'm not telling you to go and check this next statement out. I'm just telling you in my quick study that I have found that there are 40 different times, 40 different times that someone brings or, or that someone is healed by Jesus in Scripture. 40 different times. 34 of those times, they are brought to Jesus. Only six of them are they kind of showing up on their own. So 40 different times of those 40, 34 of them are brought to Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. People were brought to Jesus to be healed. They weren't invited. They weren't invited. We use that word a lot, right? I want you to invite someone to church. I want you to invite them to come with you. You see over and over that people weren't invited to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. Imagine these four friends. These four friends that they didn't care what the obstacles were. They didn't care of the inconvenience. They didn't care of the embarrassment. They were not going to invite their friend to come see Jesus to be healed. They were going to what? They were going to bring him to Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something that might be offensive. It might make you mad. It might hurt your feelings, but that's okay. We need that every now and then, right? This is a place of building up, and sometimes to be built up, we have to have our feelings hurt. That's what we think sometimes, right? Not really. But I do want to tell you something that I think is true but hard for us to understand sometimes. Do you know why a lot of people don't bring their friends and families and neighbors to church? Why they don't talk to people about Jesus? Why they don't think about praying for others? It's because they really don't have the faith that Jesus can change people's lives. They really don't have the faith that people can change people's lives. I call it the Andy mentality. The Andy mentality. Um, so I know that many of you grew up loving and watching the Andy Griffith Show, right? How many of you are just Andy Griffith Show fans? Still watch them, okay. Andy Griffith Show fans. And still, it's a, it's a great show. The lessons of the show, the comedy of the show, I mean, it still resonates today. I'm not, I've not watched a lot of Andy Griffith, but I've watched enough to, to, to know and to understand and to find the humor and, and to say that, that I enjoy the show when I do watch it. But do you know what I've never heard? Do you know what I've never heard on the Andy Griffith show? Now there, this is my limited knowledge of it. I've never heard a lot of conversation about Jesus. Because you see, in Mayberry, they don't need Jesus. Why? Because who do they have? They have Andy. They don't need Jesus because they have Andy. And when there's a problem, regardless of the problem, who's there to fix the problem? Andy. You know, there are people out there who are driving their lives down a road, and for all purposes, it looks like everything's going the way it should be, but it isn't. They're broken. They're damaged. They have so many problems. They may have the money and the resources and even the influence to try to fix their problems, but they're missing something. Or rather, they're missing someone. They're missing Jesus. 
they're missing the one person who can truly heal and save their lives. But many people live with the Andy mentality. I don't need Jesus because I have, and then they have their own fill in the blank right there. I don't need Jesus because I have this. Now, you know what part of the problem is? Part of the problem is they don't see that they need Jesus. The other part of the problem is that we don't see that they need Jesus either sometimes. Let that sink in. A lot of times we don't see that they need Jesus. We read in this story about four friends who saw a need, who saw an obvious problem. And instead of recommending a doctor, instead of recommending some new um, oil to burn in your diffuser, instead of recommending some new diet for this guy, these guys said, we're not going to recommend anything. We're not going to invite you. We're not going to show you. We're going to what? Bring you to Jesus. I want us to stop for just a moment. And I want us to pray together. And I want us to pray that Jesus will open our hearts and our eyes to see the people around us that need to be brought to Him. And as I pray on our behalf this morning, I want you to think about faces and about names of who this prayer is about in your own life. Because I want us to be a church that brings people to Jesus, not invites them, but that brings them. Let's, let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for our time in this room together today. As we see in this story, when faithful people are in a room together, amazing things happen. And I pray, God, that you will help this family of believers to have faith that will move mountains. And God, sometimes those mountains, they're not physical mountains, whether they're spiritual ones in people's lives. We are surrounded every day, God, by friends, by family members, by by co-workers who need you. And it's so easy, God, to pass it off. It's so easy to think someone else will share. It's so easy to think someone else will bring up your name and offer your healing. God, you've challenged each and every one of us to be the one that goes and that shares. You've called us to be disciples. And God, even though even though there are some people that at the end of the day may be unreachable, let us only find that out after effort and time of trying to reach them and bring them to you. God, I pray that you be with the names and the faces that our family members are thinking of this morning, of the people that they know that they need to be reaching out to and sharing your word with and encouraging so that they can be brought to you. Help us to be a church that doesn't invite people to your presence, but brings them into your presence, God, so that they can have a salvation relationship with you. Not just a relationship on this side of eternity, but the other side as well. And it's in your son's name we pray.
Amen. So, what do these four men do? They what? They brought their friend to Jesus. They didn't invite him. So, let's practice this statement, okay? I want you to practice this statement with me. Repeat it after me. Will you go to church with me Sunday? Okay, now do it this way. Will you go to church with me Sunday? Will you go with me to church this Sunday? Y'all are the most enthusiastic bunch I've ever heard. Will you go with me to church this Sunday? Okay, you were all trained, all right? You were trained in all the evangelism you need this week. I want to encourage you to invite. That's, that's not even the right word. See, we're so used to that word. It just comes out. I want to challenge you to bring someone to church with you this Sunday. Bring them with you. And then if you need to, if you need to, take them to lunch after we're done. You know what I've learned? People are a lot more likely to come and do something with you if you feed them. I knew one. I'm not saying we need to do this. But I knew and I read of a congregation that they offered gift cards to their church members that if they brought friends, they could go by the office and get a gift card to take their friends to lunch later. Now, you have. There were some people like, yeah, I brought three families this morning, you know. The point of that is, though, is sometimes you got to offer a little more than just coming and sitting in the pew. You got to make it more about a relationship, more about, more about time together. But I hope, I hope and I pray that you will have the same faith that, that God will look at us as a church and he will say, I have seen their faith. I have seen their faith. And I challenge you with this lesson today. There is a God. There is a God. He is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.